0: No sir, I don't like it. Everybody, welcome to No Sir Pod. Guess who the fuck it is? It's Carmen Morales, and today I am joined with the very funny Mr. Gary Peterson.
1: Hello, everybody.
0: Hi, Gary.
1: Hello, Carmen.
0: <laughs> Thank you so much for joining me today.
1: It was a hard commute. It really was. Almost twenty steps. <sighs>
0: rough. It's a rough one.
1: We're uh, technically neighbors. Technically, in the squatting situation that we're both in. <laughs>
0: What a convenient way to be homeless, you know?
1: We are uh, in the suburbs. Do people know that?
0: It's a, I mean, it's, it's more the sticks than the burbs because we're basically above the burbs.
1: And we are the most interesting people here. Yes. Easily.
0: Have you tried to talk to anybody in this neighborhood?
1: Yes. Um, and with respect, Horrible. Yeah, they're horrible. all
0: boring. <laughs> it's like, how did you get the money to out here with nobody ever wanting to hear anything you have to say?
1: Yeah, I, I walk uh, dogs for our mutual friend, mm-hmm. and uh, we, you know, the dog does not get along very well mm-hmm. with other. He, he's a pug, but he's uh, radioactive, so he's like forty five pounds. <laughs> and, he really is a cinder block with a face. And it's mostly head weight. Uh, he lo- looks
0: like a lion if his mane was made of neck fat.
1: If a cinnamon roll could poop. <laughs> That's really, if you can envision that, and uh, young Max and uh, Jackie, uh, great, great little Jack Russell sort of mix thing, and uh, uh, I walk the dogs, and Max does not get along with any other dog. He, he's like, <laughs> and like they're from thirty feet away, and they're always bigger, and the dog will, uh, you know, if 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 they were to have it out, it would eat them, yeah, uh, easily. Um, and it would be delicious because he's cinnamon flavored. Yes, exactly. And he has mostly food in his beard. Uh, he, uh, uh, you
0: and him are similar in that way.
1: Yes, I, I. For those
0: listening, Gary has a beard, guys.
1: I grew this beard in order to one day create my own wig.
0: <laughs> you want to make a wig of your own hair, so it's gonna. So it's like a hair transference. Do you remember the <laughs> the very popular movie Father's Day with Robin Williams and uh, Billy Crystal? One of my favorite lines from that movie it's it's where a woman gets knocked up and she wants she tells dudes that she hooked up in the past with that they're all the dad so they all go looking for the kid. Uh, it's kind of fucked up. And uh, <laughs> so then Billy Crystal and Robin Williams, who are very polar opposites, very it's very uh, odd couple, go out on this adventure to find this kid who's just being an asshole and like rebelling. And one of my favorite lines of the entire movie. Is like Billy Crystal and the kid are like connecting, Hmm. and then Robin Williams just kind of jumps in because he feels like jealous, like he wants (sighs) to connect with the kid. So he just says, One time I drank so much tequila, I I shaved my head and glue all the head of my ass.
1: (laughs) <laughs> so
0: you're doing that, but in a gro- less gross way. You're going you're gonna to yeah. grow a beard so long that you can make a wig of it yourself.
1: Yeah. I, I mean, I figured some of the great uh, thinkers, philosophers, uh, writers have all had, you know, Whitman or mm. uh, uh, I feel like Ulysses S. Grant wasn't maybe the best president, but uh, he was the man for the job to hold the union together during uh, the first American Civil War. Wait for the sequel coming this <laughs> November. Yeah. Uh, The the beards, I think, have wisdom, but it's also like, uh, I'm a white, cis white guy in comedy uh, with glasses. Thank you.
0: Um,
1: (laughs) And there's no place for a white man now. It's... uh, I, I, you know, you want to stand out, and so many people do look the same. And I don't take much into fashion sense. You're pretty fashion oriented. I am. Yeah, I think. I mean, you don't have sleeves on, but everything else. <laughs> where did they go? Uh, like you have, you have outfits, and and you're like, oh, that's a color, and that's a color that goes with it. I'm, I'm more like, a, I found this in a, a garbage, <laughs> and I put it on my head, and I feel. Uh, I to go on stage for ten years at it, and then it <laughs> and then it falls off. The other day, I I, I uh, showed you my pants <laughs> from uh, I believe I've owned these pants for maybe eight years from Old Navy, mm-hmm. and uh, and I knew that there was a. They do whole, not sponsor
0: this podcast. Please do not support them.
1: They are the best. And <laughs> uh, I. These pants are terrible. The bottoms are all stepped on. Uh, uh, and I never shredded. minded that though. And uh, you know, I I look bad, but I didn't care, and I di- didn't show my ass, which is my only feature. <laughs> and uh, you were standing in front of me, and I just I, I like to do these things to 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 good friends and 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 people I like. I. I uh, I will just set them up for something I know that's going to be really weird. Mm-hmm. So I knew that they're I – like I found the hole in the taint section of the pants that morning. And yeah. I was like, well, I have to rip these off in front of somebody in a way that's absurd. I have to. <laughs> so I think you were right in front of me and I, I said like, yeah, just hang on one second. And then I just pull most of my pants in yeah. half.
0: It was almost like you had tearaway <laughs> pants on, but they were not – Tear They're, away pants. They were jeans. <laughs> they were straight up jeans. You just fucking he man or Hulkamania or whatever. The, yeah, Hulk, yeah. You Hulk, yeah. fucking ripped them off from the taint.
1: It wasn't like Full Monty rip off. It was more like yeah, like a wrestler trying to show his brand. Yeah,
0: <laughs> <laughs> and the brand was Fruit of the Loom. Very Thank nice. You. Um,
1: <laughs> not our sponsor. Uh, but yeah, I just, I like to do uh, the stupidest thing I can. And that seems to be the guiding point for how I uh, navigate life. What is the stupidest thing I can say or do or think at this current moment? And Which uh, can
0: lead you to, like, diff- like I feel, uh, you and I resonate on that for sure, because I feel like it's that old, like, Chappelle, I think, addressed it in one of his things. Like, I'm just going to say the funniest thing I could think of at this moment, mm-hmm. and what sucks about that though is when it's interpersonal relationships whether it be uh friendships or relationships or whatever the case may be the funniest thing that you could possibly think of is might be the meanest
1: <laughs> I'll give you an example that you said to me um I I think it was uh I I think I said I assume is like you said something I don't I don't remember what it was the the, the setup of this mm-hmm. but I said, "Oh, I just assumed that uh that you'd never talk to me again and I'd never see you again." Mm-hmm. And then you said like, "What are you a a terrier?" <laughs> <laughs> like I have no object permanence that <laughs> when you walk away, you're forever gone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh then you laughed at it. <laughs> it was funny and it, and it is in hindsight yep
0: not funny to you then
1: on my birthday but <laughs> that is uh what I deserve uh but <laughs> you it,
0: also did had an example of that of somebody that you were you were dating at the time uh the one the Wiccan yes yeah. <laughs>
1: Emily Griffin uh uh Sandler now not Adam Sandler but different Sandler. <laughs> she's not
0: rich now she's just she, married
1: she's she married one of his uh films she <laughs> Uh, was really sweet girl. Um, I don't You
0: ran over that. I just want the listeners to know he uh, was dating a Wiccan. Mm-hmm. So she was clearly not a handful at all and very whimsical.
1: <laughs> she really wasn't in your face about it, but That's good. M- my relationship with spirituality at the time was very F you. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't care what you believe and I'm not even going to respect it. You know, there's this great Carlin line on the It's Bad for You uh, last hour, which I think is maybe my favorite. Mm-hmm. because it's 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 last and it's live and it's wisdom but he talks about I was like i don't want to disabuse anyone's beliefs and that's something that i was certainly doing right <laughs> when when this person who was spiritual and i was not and she she was talking about angels she was saying you know angels in 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 spirituality can be anywhere you can choose to be somebody's angel you know and she she texted me i want to be your angel and my first thought was a joke that i made from it where i said I hope you die as well, send. And <laughs> I didn't send that because I knew it would hurt her feelings. However, <laughs> I didn't think not to say it when she came to a show <laughs> maybe a week later, and just she's just in tears, and I felt awful, but I was a terrible uh, partner. <laughs> <laughs> and didn't care enough about uh, uh, somebody to uh, I
0: think it's different if you're doing it on purpose like there's people like oh somebody's in the audience I'm gonna fucking do that joke about them. Mm. versus you're just doing a bit and then you're like oh yeah I probably should have like there's a difference between you doing something on purpose to hurt someone's feelings and you doing something like ignorantly like
1: is it worse to intentionally hurt someone or to be so absent minded of their feelings <laughs> That you don't even be like, wait, why are you crying? Oh, oh, I understand. I didn't think about you at all. <laughs>
0: I don't know, man. I mean, I, I guess I could see how the malicious one could seem less because it's like you care so much mm-hmm. that you want to elicit such a severe response out I of me. Mean, you know, it, in the the ideology that hate is the opposite of love, and as long as you give a fuck, I- either one way or the other, at least you're caring. Where mm-hmm. to me, like to me, the severity uh, of pain is the indifference. Like if somebody mm-hmm. doesn't care about you at all, like that's way worse. So for me, uh, the absent-minded probably, but I would also give you a pass. I think in the, in the, uh, the absent-minded part. Cause it was just, but I, it's, it's different though, because I still have that stupid comic brain where it was like, who's the fuck funny, mm-hmm. but you know what I mean? Where, so that you get <laughs> funny <laughs> for some, because I don't know why, but for some reason, funny begets a, a level of asshole for me. Like my tolerance for asshole goes up the funnier that it is.
1: Yeah. There's, there's a lot of great comedians that have voiced this idea of being, making fun of something, is not the same as uh, being a cold jerk, that you don't care about the thing. You know, opposite, uh, uh, sadness is not the opposite of laughter, which is a Daniel Sloss, uh, 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 I think, said something like that on on his special, which is fantastic. And I, I, he talks a lot about his sister and um, uh, his sister who had a, a severe disa- disability his whole life. And, mm-hmm. and they were talking about all these like moments and how they would, const- like her reaction was often laughter because it was in the same spectrum of her mind or whatever. I'm paraphrasing. Check out a special, it's very good. But I related to that because uh, I've been around a lot of tragedy in my life mm-hmm. and I'm not like better than it. I just, I would rather process it with a comment that makes a smile
0: levity provide levity yeah
1: then then hold the weight of it because i hold so much weight on so many other things like i forgot bananas i think i'm gonna die today Uh, (laughs) you monster i can take it to that level sometimes and i'm just like why am i even thinking about this Mm -hmm. there's bananas everywhere you could buy them at a 7-eleven do you know a guy (laughs) um i get so worried i'm a worrier
0: <laughs> i know it worries me you worry so much you're kind of like a like a tornado of worry in that in that like when you start whirlwinding in it you can get caught up in it mm-hmm. and then it's like why am i worrying about bananas i don't even fucking want bananas yeah <laughs> uh,
1: that comes from my upbringing of uh my dad who's fantastic and my hero uh, Gary Michael, check him out. He's on uh, <laughs> in a truck somewhere. <laughs> uh, He's
0: moving cinder blocks from one <laughs> one yard to another. Pretty
1: much, he uh, he um, is is very um, anxiety a driven type guy was like, well, you know, you know, I'm not going to say hi to them because, you know, they're going to say something back and then I'm going to fight and I fuck them. And I'm like, what (laughs) are you like, what is this thought process? And I've heard that my whole life about certain things where he, he'll take it to like a level of like, I didn't know that you could even worry about something like that. Mm -hmm. And he's, he does check himself. He does have those moments that we all have of panic. I think come from like my, my Peterson side of the family Mm -hmm. where it's like we always have to find something to be concerned about because why be happy
0: well (laughs) you gotta worry about being happy too
1: (sighs) it's gonna go it's gonna disappear
0: (laughs) you know happiness is fleeting
1: every every joy's got an end and it's about to come any moment oh it's a beautiful day you know what else is a beautiful day 9 11 started off (laughs) sunny what
0: so for you, it's it's a uh, it's it's not only chemical, but it's also environment. Sure. And what I love about that is like it's so easy to see it from the outside, from somebody else, and go, "Hey, you are spinning. You are spinning out of control right now." Um, and then when you are you you yourself are that tornado, you ha- you're just like, "No, this is how things are. Right. I'm being logical about this. I'm being concerned about every possible thing that could a- absolutely go
1: wrong." Yeah. And- And to check it, uh, Mm. I've learned certain things, and Mm. I I certainly hope your listeners, uh, uh, if they have any sort of severe anxiety type stuff, uh, pills, doctors, uh, not treating yourself like crap, um, taking a minute to breathe, Mm -hmm. uh, exercise, good sleep... It's, it's a very simple checklist that sounds like, oh, you're going to get eight hours of sleep a night and not, and not nap another eight hours during the day, you fucking piece of shit. Like, you you can't. But if you
0: don't nap, how are you going to waste the day away? Exactly.
1: So you, you have to, uh, and I hate the term self-care, but you have to, I, I call it, called giving shit yeah <laughs> give a shit about yourself and it will come back in return and then when you help other people instead of worrying then that anxiety goes down um uh, right when the pandemic start i don't know if you know there's a pandemic
0: oh shit for real um,
1: yeah it's this crazy hoax is
0: that like a spanish bakery it's a
1: um <laughs> can i have two stacks of pandemics please <laughs> uh it, it it's toasted when it started, mm-hmm. I read a, a very interesting article from Harvard. harvard.edu uh, uh, medical school. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, always cite your sources. <laughs> uh, it's
0: way better than WebMD. They WebMD t- always leads to cancer, so I'm glad you read uh, another source.
1: This had, uh, uh, in the beginning of the pandemic, there was a lot of experts talking about um, anxiety, the way the brain processes it, uh, processes it. Uh, hatred uh, uh, and stress and trauma in times of uh, unlikely stress. So, you may go your whole life and you may not be stuck in a war zone, sure. technically, you know, which is a great thing uh, if you're not in that. But if you have a severe pandemic going on, your brain will do certain things to protect itself from going. Nuts. Yes. Um. It will. That's why. Like, I get. I was like, Why am I so forgetful? It's because your brain lets go of more. Because if you're hanging on to more, you're gonna just weigh yourself down.
0: Right. Because it's like it's the internal processes. You're already like, Oh my god, we could die. We could die. We could die. Mm-hmm. We could die. That's on a loop already yes. because of everything that's happening.
1: You you just described the exact like it's like cognitive blah, dissonance. Yeah. Where where it's um it elevates in the I think it's the uh the process of your brain the process is like uh fight flight or fight fight or flight is mm-hmm. that a medulla or whatever mm-hmm. um just like gator has it uh, <laughs>
0: medulla oblongata
1: it when that fear of you could be eliminated uh is a reala- reality mm-hmm. when it's in every direction everything you turn on or you look around just even a mask on someone's face reminds you of it um your your, your traumatic stress levels within your body and your endorphins heighten And because of that, it will take a harder toll on your body. Mm -hmm. It will allow you to block out things. It will allow you to have big spurts of energy and then be suddenly tired. Um, There's certain things that the body will do for self-preservation. And I I thought that was really interesting and good to know. And I started like kind of going down that hole of like what you can do to uh, cope with that uh, and the biggest thing is is honestly just helping others in some other way. And mm-hmm. he's like, give them a phone call, uh, write someone a message, send a text, Yeah, things that you can do within your world to just say, hey, I care. And that gets you out of your own head. And that actually sh- scientifically is like if you're caring about other people, uh, you will have less stress and anxiety within yourself. Yeah. So that's
0: why it's like, oh, I like when it, cause uh, i I've talked about this in a previous episode where uh, there was somebody talking about um, like the perform performative and uh, like, I don't remember the other term, but it's basically like, sure. Helping people is selfish because mm-hmm. you ultimately do feel better about it. But if you're just a person who doesn't give a fuck and is just like donating money, like $200,000 for a cause. So for a write off, it's still, ultimately, it's still good. Mm -hmm. but you don't get the feeling because you don't genuinely care. So ultimately it doesn't matter whether you're doing it performatively or you're doing it uh, because you actually care because ultimately it's still helping the bigger, the greater good. And also the people who do it because they care, they actually feel better. So they get the return on their investment. Whereas if somebody just has is rich, so they just want to write off because they don't want to pay as much taxes. They just will fucking throw money at something. And then that's it. That's the end of the transaction um and i think that was just like so ultimately do do just do whether you feel you care about it or not do it because it's still helping but also if you do care about it holy shit you should feel good by doing good like the thing that because i've talked to so many people especially like over the summer um when all of the protests and stuff like that were happening i was doing all of like everybody gets in uh You know, there's a lot of people of color that were just like, I don't want to have to handhold you through this just because you just found out racism is a thing. Right. Mm -hmm. So then I was like, okay, well, then as far as being an ally, I'll do that. I'll, I will pet people and coax people and make them feel more comfortable being allies right yeah. because uh, that was the thing that that made uh, was interesting to me is, is I was like hey you don't have to feel weird about helping anybody out you don't have to feel uncomfortable you don't have to it's okay and, and I understand that it does feel weird because you don't want to feel like you're being a poser ultimately yeah. you don't want to feel like you're being an asshole and there were a lot of people that hit me because I was posting about it publicly and stuff like that and there were a lot of people that hit Hit me up that were like, thank you, because I do feel weird. I don't want to feel like I'm just a bandwagon support of and I was like, it doesn't matter. And I was like, and if they're complaining about that, that's okay because they've been dealing with that their whole lives. Mm -hmm. You don't have to internalize it. You just still have to keep showing up. Because if you keep showing up, guess who's gonna not think you're a poser? Mm -hmm. You know what I mean?
1: And if you can't show up, because I I literally couldn't because I have health issues. I can't be in a protest. Mm-hmm. I live with... Uh, a- no, but you
0: could donate money. You can literally, like yeah. any people of color in your life, like you could check on them. You know, I was just randomly Venmoing uh, people of color in my life that I knew were stressed out. And I was like, here, buy lunch on me. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, cause, because ultimately you still have to take care of yourself so you don't die. <laughs> and,
1: and you can educate yourself so you're better. Talk to people about it. Uh, and uh, if you don't have money, which I really don't, uh, writing letters on behalf of certain campaigns to uh, to, yeah. to push about social change, um, stuff like that can add up. Mm-hmm. It really can. Looking into the representatives that are running when you're casting your vote, if if you do believe in the, the system in play, you know it's it's stuff that you, if you can do it on a micro level, it's all you, you know, you just you'll you'll feel better. Yeah, you know, yeah, that's all I'm about. It's just feeling better.
0: Have you? Do you feel like that has helped you? Manager anxiety, that being of service. Because I talked about this, I think maybe even on the last episode, about like, um, that's that was that's what I think your character is. When things are at the worst, that is when you are supposed to be trying to be your best mm-hmm. uh to help the situation, you know? I think it's easy for us to get wrapped up in uh the war the idea of the worst and it being the worst, and especially with everybody uh, operating at that heightened fight or flight level because it's in the back of our mind uh, constantly that this shit is, uh, it's everywhere and it's we're constantly being reminded of it. I mean, I was having a conversation with a friend of mine the other day who was like, I can't even watch television because me or stand up or anything like that because me watching something being created I'm just reminded that we can't create that right now and that Mm -hmm. bums me out Uh, and it's like well holy shit dude if you can't (laughs) if you can't even have a distraction that's really got to be an ultra bummer you know Mm -hmm. like um
1: yeah a few of us comics uh have definitely been exposed to our own lack of life mm -hmm. from this and I'm not, uh, I have not performed live since the pandemic lockdown began. Um, and uh, <laughs> I had worked, as you know, uh, many, a, many a day job mm-hmm. uh, and done the road and one-nighters in different cities from Boston to Los Angeles, around the country, in Canada, et cetera. And uh, on uh, March 12th, 2020, I had finally secured. What would have been a year of just comedy, life, and income. And uh, March 15th, <laughs> uh, the world shut down, and all of that ended. And it was very depressing, and it was very upsetting, and it was like I had climbed a huge mountain that I have always been trying to climb and figured out the pieces, and then those pieces have disappeared it's like climbing a mountain you find out there's another mountain at the top of it yeah and you just don't know when that mountain or you're climbing to a
0: mountain and then the mountain just magically disappears and <laughs> you're just standing on a cliffside like what what do i do
1: so you know i i just was like i'm not going to perform in live places i'm going to do online shows and a lot of comics were all uh against them and you know they'd rather go to a drive through and te- you know teach their own i i think uh I, I just was like, well, it's not perfect. It's as safe as I can be without contributing the problem, uh, without, you know, trying to brush up on my ego to to get an applause break in Orange County, you know, drive-through uh, drive-in comedy, you know. Yeah, I just
0: also don't want to be honked at. I don't want <laughs> I don't want to be honked at uh, if I'm wearing a skirt crossing a street. I don't wanna be honked at if my fucking punchline is red, and mm-hmm. I don't wanna be honked at if I'm if that's a heckle. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. <laughs> So why not make that medium? You've done a great job. Your show uh, is fantastic on Zoom. I think it is, if people haven't checked it out, it is the bellwether for how to do a good show. You tell the audience please laugh you know be respectful etc the comics bring good material and they know how to work the camera they know how to look and they mm-hmm. don't just go and be like what else is going on today and you're, you're in another office board meeting because literally everybody's always on zoom now or always in a conference on yeah, video you're either
0: having a wine with your your cousins mm-hmm. or you're playing a Jackbox games yeah. or you're fucking in a. And, and that's really the the work that i do on anytime i'm even on any of those things is i go hate I'm a real person I know everybody's been staring Mm -hmm. at their devices for seven months but I am a real person remember when we engaged remember Mm -hmm. and then then I address some people individually and I'm like see I'm right here I'm judging your interior design (laughs) we are all part of this together uh you have to be a human too and that's like the thing is I'm constantly pleading with people Mm -hmm. that this is now more so than before this is a 50 50 this will suck if you don't participate and not just for me but for you too because then you're just gonna end up being bored and you're not gonna get the distraction you were seeking. Yeah. So you have to show up in order for that to happen.
1: That that's one of my hates. You asked me about the yeah, things yeah, yeah. that I dislikes, and I, I always appreciate when you would run a live show or the way you're running your show now, you would tell the audience and you would hold them to task if you were hosting the show or or you were headlining, wherever you're doing, you always address the fact if they were not. Actively participating in just a way of of, of attention and energy, mm-hmm. you know, it's not just like people to go there, get their meal, look up at comedy every once in a while, and then talk to each other. Mm-hmm. That's unacceptable yeah. uh, because this is a transfer of like energy and life and ideas. And their side of the conversation is usually laughter. Yeah. If it if it's not not eliciting laughter, that's fine too. Yes. But at least there's some sort of participatory part. I really like to an audience that expects you to uh, be their exact type of funny, and then when it's not, they're mad, and then they have to like try to ruin the show. Yeah, uh, Fresno. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> you remember we? You were headlining. Uh, I was a guest spot uh, on this show in a bar. I think the woman heckling started right as soon as I got up there. No, they were they were from the go. There was a drunk table of mm-hmm. people and they were heckling in the way that was uh, wasn't helpful. It had nothing to do with what was going on stage. They would just yell random things mm-hmm. and the whole rest of the room was like oh. everybody gave that like then the the vibe just turns to well this is being ruined by these three idiots that are yeah. drunk that should have been, you know, Just get out. You know, here's. Your $10 back. Yeah. So 300 people or whoever, you can know, can
0: have the time of their lives.
1: Exactly. And and instead, they just sat there all night and kept ruining and ruining the show. And, and there I, was
0: plenty of space for them to go to have had that night. If you want to have a night out with your friends, do that, but don't do it at the cost of everybody else. Like, right. and I always end up going in, in a psych uh, mentality when it comes to stuff like that, where it's like, how sad are you that the only way that you can enjoy yourselves is by creating so much misery mm-hmm. uh, not just to the performer but to everyone here around you like yeah. how like how se- how self-indulgent are you you know that are you a fucking sultan In are you aladdin are you in a, <laughs> a fucking peasant's clothes but you're so used to being pampered to so much that this is the norm for you mm-hmm. like w- like I, I don't understand it
1: and and there's all types of heckling. There's misunderstandings, there's drunks, there's mm-hmm. things. But these people were just, they were a little drunk. They did not understand. We tried to explain. I think I explained to them mm-hmm. how the whole room hates them. Yeah. And that I don't want that to happen. And I want them to have a good time. This is my favorite thing that I've ever... After that, I started really thinking about, like, what happens when a group is the, the minority in the room... And they're majority controlling the vibe. Like right. which is usually what a comic does. He's the one person or she's the one person or they're the one person. And they control the whole room's levels and stuff. But when a group of like two or three people take over the room with, you know, chatter or whatever. I was in um I was in Gallagher's and Long Beach and it was like an open floor plan bar restaurant. A lot of people didn't know there was gonna be comedy. Oh so that's it was my favorite. Oh yeah. It's <laughs> a surprise. Uh,
0: Interruption comedy.
1: The waitresses and, and servers and, and everybody there just you know, didn't really like us because we're in the way of the kitchen. So there was a lot of uphill climbing, but we made it a show. And a lot of like, I give a lot of credit to uh, uh, Branna Kindred and some other comics from Orange County that set the tone. Mm-hmm. And they did a really good job. Andrew Mercado, I believe, was uh, another one on that lineup. And when I got up there, it was a group of about four that came in and stood with their backs to the show. They were maybe ten feet from this stage that was just, you know, on the level of everybody's mm-hmm. chairs because it's a restaurant. Uh, it's just a corner cleared out <laughs> with a microphone. Yeah. And they were just blah 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 blah. And I was like, I don't want to get them. I don't want to be mean. I just want to do my job. And so yeah. I, I did something I've never done, and I recommend it to every aspiring comic or professional comic or whatever. I just I said. Um, uh excuse me uh, can you guys and somebody had to get their attention i was like excuse me and they turned and uh the four of them looked at me and i said i i don't know if you noticed there was a show <laughs> and
0: you just start with the yeah. most basic of observations I try
1: to try to be silly
0: <laughs> maybe they're on shrooms and yeah. think they're on another planet
1: and i said uh, uh we're having a great time and we want you to have a great time. And if you would like to join us, I think we'd all be really happy about that. Mm-hmm. And and I said, right. And everybody clapped them. Everybody yeah. applauded them. And what they did was they took their beers and they left. And it was great.
0: Perfect. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I gave them a. You gave
0: them an out. An
1: open invitation. I gave them an applause. Yeah. Where I could have been like, you sons of bitches. Mm-hmm. And they they just they just got up and went outside and and smoked and then they did they never they not come up to me afterwards and complain or anything it was just like no I did the I did the right nice thing I was silly about it I was tent, you know gen, gingerly walking around the mm-hmm. fact that they're. Fucking everything up, <laughs> uh, but I.
0: But you know why? You know why that was so magical is because you took your own ego out of it. You yeah. you took yourself out of it because it's it's so because what we do is so personal. It's so easy to take it personally and to get defensive when a lot of times it's people just ignorantly like you know just bumbling like a fucking uh, bull in China shop situation, you yeah. know, and uh and they don't realize it, and so they and nobody ever wants to feel like a bad guy unless they're doing it on purpose. Oh yeah, and those are very specific kinds of hecklers and um there is something like but you're also incredibly magical like i can't tell you how many shows that i've been to where you just end up standing on a table you know doing (laughs) professing i don't (laughs) or starting the national anthem or you know just doing anything like just Anything to, to to disrupt the mundane feeling of megr- mediocrity in all of these atrocious shows that we've said yes to, mm-hmm. um, and then just going, oh, something spectacular is happening here at this all-wooden bar, and yeah. I had no idea, you know? And uh, that is something that's incredibly admirable and uh, that Thank I've you. always admired about you.
1: We, <laughs> I think... One of the, like, silliest things, it was j- it was like I was playing to just, I think, you, uh, Brian Vokey, some other comics in the back of the room at the lab at the Improv in Hollywood. Uh, there were <laughs> two, by the end, there were four audience members to start or something like that. Yeah,
0: it was a brutal show.
1: And by the end, there were two,
0: <laughs> and they
1: had already been talked to, talked at ignored Mm -hmm. uh you know blame
0: methods yeah and
1: i was uh last and i uh i decided um i said turn on the lights Mm -hmm. and i stood in between the two tables without the Mm microphone because it's like why why and and then i was like who what is your name and he was like oh michael and i was like what is your name and he's like uh i am uh alvin and I was like, "Oh, okay." And they were both like from like a youth hostel nearby. They got free tickets or some shit. Wow! So they had no idea. And I just, I just talked to them and told them. The they didn't laugh at all. I was like, "This I could drive both of you home if you need it." Yeah. Uh, I would. I would like to get to know you. Um, I'll buy you both a drink. I've never bought an entire audience a drink before. <laughs> And tonight will be no exception, but I could. Uh, and then I, I said, uh, where are you from? And he's like, from Canada. And he's like, where are you from? And he's like, Peru. And I was like, I am the most famous comic in America. <laughs> and they, they just looked at me like, what is this? And that was worth it more for me, like, d- like doing the thing that makes me – Fun, yeah. Like f- enjoy yeah because they it, that was a bomb that was a tremendous bomb in terms of what the audience response was but in terms of my mind i don't i loved it yeah i love being i was like i'm not gonna get bummed out by like i couldn't get him talking about american things <laughs> i should have been like ginger ale around bacon <laughs> like i get analytical about no i'm just gonna do what i do if you come along cool but i'm i'm going to have fun
0: I hope you're enjoying this week's episode of No Sir Pod with the very funny Gary Peterson. Make sure you check out his brand new album, Yellow Belt Confidence, on deadandmellow.com. Follow him at ComedyGaryP for more information. Also, I got a live No Sir Pod at the world famous comedy store. That's this Friday, October 23rd at 7 p.m. Pacific. That's 10 p.m. Eastern. It's going to be streamed live on the comedy store's uh, Facebook page. But also, the audio will be out uh, next week if you guys missed the live stream. Also, uh, make sure that you guys come to this week's Social D. It's my birthday show, a little online show. It'll be fun. That's October 24th at 6 p.m. Pacific and uh, 9 p.m. Eastern. I have the very funny Sarah Tiana and Aaron Jackson joining me, plus a bunch of special guests that you're going to want to see. Fucking do it. Make sure you're following me at nosirpod at the funny Carmen. Subscribe. Go to the Patreon.com/slash/NosirPod. Throw money at me. Now let's get back to some shit we don't like. I think that's a that's a beautiful comedic evolution that uh, only some people ever achieve, though. Yeah. Because once you once you can once you can uh, dissociate yourself from the ego part of it, there is so much more freedom that you end up getting, and you end up getting to allow to enjoy yourselves in situations that ultimately are atrocious. <laughs>
1: yeah. yeah. And there and it's showbiz. There's a lot of them, even in the best gigs, the coolest places, mm-hmm. uh, the best festivals. Oh yeah. You, you fly. You, people see these things. Where it's like a comic loses it on stage and yells heckler and says terrible, says the C word blah blah, kind blah. for anybody listening. Um <laughs> I was, uh, sure. uh, <laughs> and what you don't see what's not documented and like typed out and judged mm. is like here's twelve hours at Chicago O'Hare Airport waiting. Yeah, cancelled. Snowed in. Bumped. Bumped to another flight. Not sleeping. <laughs> rental car. Drive 400 miles just to get to a 20-minute spot for like $200 that you now have lost yeah. by getting the rental. At this
0: point, it's cost you money to do this 20 minutes for them.
1: You're barely holding it together. And you go up with a smile and you're just tap dancing and you're going up and you're happy. Mm-hmm. And then somebody's like, Next. And you're like Whoa. It's just like you, you fall apart. We were in Key West. I think uh Key West, uh uh the Key West comedy room, Joe Madows, Tom Dustin, great room. Uh and
0: it's at a, a, a rad bar little bar called B- the bottle cap. It's the only stand up comedy that exists in Key West, and it's actually really good. So if anybody is down, I know I got some BDM listeners. If anybody is down uh in Key West, make sure you guys check that out.
1: Mention no sir pod to get Double the price. (laughs) Uh, I'm a good ad, man. But I think it was the, the, we were like flipping headlining. You were doing one night, I was doing the other. I forget Mm -hmm. which night it was, but I I was taking a sip of water and someone yelled out, uh, that's your time, something like that. Like, that's your time, Mm -hmm. wrap it up.
0: (laughs) When you took a sip of water?
1: Yeah, and I was like. Excuse me, and I didn't see who it was. with the back of the room? My bad vision. Uh, I have a condition called diarrhea of the eyes. I <laughs> I couldn't tell. Uh, I just heard. I was like, "What do you mean by?" That? And then I I started to dissect the person, mm-hmm. and then I Hannibal Lecter like broke them you know what you look like like a well scrubbed room <laughs> like I took them apart where like I, I remember everyone at the table that was with him turned on and it was like ho, ho, ho. And, that, and then like I, I remember seeing a face and I think he got up and left the
0: whole table left
1: that's great yeah and then because so
0: by the time I got up there I didn't have anything to worry about yeah which w- I love that thank you by the way I, I, <laughs> thanks for being the, the broom and dustpan
1: of that show I, I fall on the sword uh, my I uh, I I remembered them leaving with uh, and, and it, the show was better because of it. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it just has to happen. And I was just like, yeah, I'm a fucking rock star. I fucking killed it. Mm-hmm. Fucking took that fucking asshole and ripped him apart. And uh, I got the to the back of the room.
0: Brief moments yeah. where you feel good about yourself. Yeah.
1: And uh, set them straight. And somebody was like, why did you pick on that 13 year old boy? I was like, what. <laughs> <laughs> He was like 13, 14. I was like, what the fuck is a 13-year-old Why is he wolf? at this bar? And what? And and you know what? He shouldn't yell out. So if this is a lesson that he learns.
0: Yeah, fuck you. Oh, Man, I have uh, I have one like that. I was doing a show in uh Clayton, North Carolina at a comedy club that doesn't exist anymore. <laughs> surprise, surprise. And uh it was I think it was maybe I don't know. They were always struggling. They also co-owned a uh, a strip club, uh, and ran drugs. So, anyways, I was at the comedy club. Which
1: <laughs> wait, which one was more depressing? <laughs> uh,
0: well, w- the most depressing part was how well the other business was doing mm-hmm. and how they couldn't get anybody to go to the comedy club but then what their scam was is they would get the comics to go to this the strip club afterwards Blow and be like money. hopefully um, but they would give you free drinks or so but you know, it was always but it was like I was a chick so by the end of the night I'm just hammered for free standing on the pole going you guys want to hear some fucking jokes <laughs> 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 I'm stripping here on Tuesdays I'm showing you my childhood trauma. Play
1: landslide.
0: (laughs) I'm just drinking cranberry juice skating around the fucking
1: And landslide.
0: So I'm on stage. So they're literally taking anybody that they can. And they take this. There's this 15-year-old kid in the audience. And then I'm like, all right, fine and i'm doing the show and mind you the host had went up and already talked to the kid and the kid seemed pretty cool so i was like so whatever we started talking about it, and i was and i guess i started talking about like adolo- like be- being an adolescent and talking about like uh <laughs> i think i just mentioned the fact that i was like you're 15 you know what i'm talking about you Yeah, you know, you get hard from the wind, right? And I just started, and I made fun, and then he got so upset. He got so upset that I made fun of the fact that he masturbates, that he threw a drink at me. And then his parents got mad at me, and I was like, well, you should have raised him better. Like, what do you want from me? You're the one that has a child in a place that serves booze, in a place that he's not supposed to be in, but they're struggling so much, they let a fucking child into an adult place, and then you want me to what? not act like the 15-year-old isn't there. Everybody's uncomfortable at the fact that there's a child watching an adult show. Mm -hmm. So I'm literally trying to make everyone feel uh, comfortable, including him, and like, hey, it's okay. Like, this thing exists, and we all know about it. And just because maybe you don't talk about it with your parents, because uh, maybe they're psycho Christians and don't let you, and you're being repressed, uh, this is all still real and still happening. And I'm literally doing nothing but trying to bring light to the situation. And your psycho kid threw a drink at me, like, get the fuck out of here.
1: That's awful. Yeah. That's terrible. And it's. Luckily, I didn't get
0: fired. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Like, that's. It's so insane. (laughs) Uh, the shit we have to deal with is comics, and a lot of it is still like, still makes it like, fun and worth it. But yeah. there's so much bullshit that you don't get at any other job, that people don't give you enough credit. They don't, like, you, you, do the, you could do this for 20, 30 years, and people are still like, well, I think the person in the audience had a feeling. And I was like, I know <laughs> what I'm communicating and thinking and saying. It's because comedy is still on this dumb level that music was able to move past, which is genre. There are genres of comedy, mm-hmm. and if you went to that club with that kid, I bet they brought the kid there, and they're like, "Why isn't? Why aren't you just doing a Jim Gaffigan like?" material because
0: and they were told they were told at the beginning that was the whole thing is i was like if you let that because i told them i told the club i go if you let that kid in here i'm not changing my fucking set yes okay you have to tell and and then they didn't they're like no he said he's cool the parents said that they were cool and i was like well now after in hindsight i hope i ruined stand-up comedy for that kid forever because he would be an insufferable audience member no matter how old he was
1: yes (laughs) yes
0: 100% (laughs)
1: 100% <laughs> some people don't deserve comedy <laughs> <laughs> yeah I'm an elitist of that. It, it, it is we're trying to provide light and joy and and, and, le- and levity or or tell our own stories or for whatever reasons there's a million of them that you could be on stage but the the, the pure act of going up against a whole crowd literally you're, you're one body against all of their judgments and opinions and lives, and you're just trying to do something that you've worked for years and years and years and years at, and then uh, uh, people have to be like, I don't like it. It's so aggravating, but you also have to never listen to that. Because mm-hmm. it's just like if I listened to that shit, it would slow me down.
0: Well, for me, it's like you're never gonna say anything as mean as I say to me. So mm. you, I, it, at this point, I'm impenetrable. Do you want to talk? Uh, but about not really. That? <laughs> no, <I don't>. <laughs> <laughs> this podcast is to bring joy as well. <laughs> I'm not trying to bum anybody out. But uh, but yeah, so it, it's like. Uh, if, if you can't like, and that, and that's my, also my big problem with that in particular is how people will put the weight of all comedy on any one particular comedian. Yeah. Or,
1: you know who I hate? Yeah. Well, I'll tell you, you're yeah. a comedian. This is what I think it's, nobody does that with food. Where <laughs> It's yeah. like a chef is like, you know, what's a fucking piece of shit meal. Korean barbecue, don't like it.
0: Yeah. It's, like, it's trash. All right. Uh, uh,
1: why, why are you bringing the? so I can like tell you you're right or something? I don't know. Like yeah. people, I think some people maybe oftentimes maybe just want to relate to a comedian that's so foreign to them. So they'll tell you like a weird joke or an off color thing or they'll tell you a who they hate. Thing. Mm-hmm. Racist things. Mm-hmm. I, I came up in the Boston comedy scene. So there was uh, plenty of that on the mics.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I just wanted to bring you back home. Thank you.
1: <laughs> I feel like I'm at the reunion. Uh, I I had I was called uh, faggot a lot, mm-hmm. uh, and I'm I'm not a gay man. I think that's supposed to mean that I'm a gay man, but uh, it's just stupid. <laughs> um, I, d- I had to deal with that growing up. I grew up next to the projects. It was like the fence to the projects mm-hmm. was right next to my house. So like I had a house and two parents. And that was like representational of everything they didn't have. So I had to fight. And they had
0: moldy Wonder Bread. So they were a little yeah. mad. They, mm-hmm.
1: they they took it out on me. So mm-hmm. I was a fat kid with glasses and a rat's tail and a bowl cut, which is child abuse. <laughs> and I had you to. You went
0: into a losing battle yeah. with
1: no armor. <laughs> hey. I'm going to push my glasses up and fight you. I was jailing. But I, I would have to fist fight these kids all the time. So it was like uh, they would like. You know, call me names, call, you know, try and fuck me up. It was, try, stole my shit. You mm-hmm. know, I'd have to fight six or seven of it once. And the good thing about welfare is that a lot of those kids are malnutrition. So <laughs> I, you know, I was a fat kid, but I, you know, I had some weight. So I could take three or four of them, mm-hmm. you know, so they would bring, you know, their crappy bodies and uh, their <laughs> anger. But I had, you know, Kirkland signature weight <laughs> from our Costco membership so i i could take a few and i wasn't any sort of a a martial arts master but uh uh, you know that's that's why i started doing like martial arts and fighting and other things to to learn just how to fucking survive in my my neighborhood it was a suburb like people say inner cities and stuff are dangerous and uh uh, sure of course uh there's guns there's drugs etc in the suburbs there's also this danger of uh i have something to prove like nobody gives us credit, yeah. So now
0: you have to make up for living, from, oh, being from the suburbs. Yes.
1: Yeah, yeah. So they. So the. I did some dangerous, horrific, evil things as mm-hmm. a kid, just because it was we were bored and had the space. Mm-hmm. When you're in the inner city, there's enough people around to say, "Hey, you're going to go to jail."
0: Hey, <laughs> cut that shit out. Yeah. Please, the or, or there's enough people, you can flee.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs>
0: In the suburbs, it's like it's that house. Like yep. <laughs> it's it's a lot easier to get caught.
1: Boredom is a dangerous weapon.
0: Oh yeah, I mean, you could look look at every single. Uh, populated city that doesn't have a lot going on why do you think it's drowning in meth and or (laughs) opiates it's just one or the other is it an upper city or is it a downer city but any single uh, fucking I got nothing to do town it's always riddled with drugs and riddled with kids fucking you know it's that idle hands shit yeah. Dude specifically always need something to do purpose. And like, that's why it's like the importance of extracurricular activities, after school programs, mm-hmm. all of that shit. You get a lot of less, you'll have a lot less kids in a juvenile detention center. If I don't know, they were practicing an instrument or <laughs> like uh, yeah. learned that they were really good at drawing or whatever the case may be.
1: There's a fantastic center in New York uh, called the Harlem Children's uh, Zone that Mm -hmm. was started by Joffrey Canada. I remember reading about it in in high school in this book where he talks about the progression of violence in America as a young man Mm because he grew up in, uh, uh, I I think, Harlem. And and he was elevating into gangs. Mm -hmm. uh, And the book is called Fist, Stick, Knife, Gun, which is uh, how I hope to die. Uh, (laughs) In that order. (laughs) Joffrey Canada uh, essentially was a kid on the wrong path because of his environment, because he had to have toxic masculinity just to survive. Mm -hmm. Like he talks about how you walk down the street prevents you from getting robbed in certain parts because you pretend like you might have a gun. And that's why like you uh, bop or whatever, these little things where it was like, oh, I didn't even think that that was because of survival. Right. And that he had to do that so he didn't get fucking jumped. My, I had a teacher that told me like he taught in these horrible inner cities in Boston, and the kids wouldn't take books home, and it wasn't because they didn't want to do the work or they were didn't want to get
0: beat up for being yes. one of them reading kids. They, yeah,
1: they were like, I can't bring this home because another kid will see it and say that I'm. They'll think you know that I'm trying to be better than them, and they'll they'll kick my ass, and I can't defend myself. So it was like horrific things that you hear about. But the Harlem Children's Zone has like, every city should have this to fix it. Every place, it's like a community center, drug rehab, job uh, and stuff, resume building for parents, after school programs for kids, uh, all levels, theater, art, music, history, trips to like the wilderness to get out of the city. Because he, uh, Jeffrey Canada is a young man, got out of the gang life by doing like one outward bound program. Right, and it changed his whole thing. So he created this thing there.
0: Yeah, it's like a one-stop shop for getting you out of this worst situation.
1: Yeah, because the fucking it's clear this year I think is is a really good example of mm-hmm. things coming to a boiling point, and it will settle and go back to being ignored yeah. if things aren't changed. And this is a thing that actually physically works. You can see results in people that are like, I was on the wrong path, and now I'm not because I had a a community a guidance yeah and that's because that's
0: all i mean i can't tell you how many fucking gang documentaries i've seen where it's just ultimately it is a kid who feels alone and this is a way for them to not feel alone it's just being like a part of things yeah and um and you want that sense of community you want that sense of family and if you're not getting that in your home because it is broken or because uh you know like in my case i was raised by a a two parents that lived together that worked opposite schedules so it was like being raised by two single parents you know what I mean so it was just like they just took shifts Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I was still alone most of the time the idea of a gang sounds great like a bunch of friends yeah I get to fight and get all this uh, rage and anxiety out sure like I totally understand why people go into stuff like that or why kids get recruited a- into that and then c- get caught up into it and of course once you have people that are willing to commit themselves like you know Oh, through everything and death for you, Jesus Christ! Mm-hmm. Like, no, like I, I can't even get my mom to fucking look at me in the eye, and you're gonna <laughs> die for me? Yeah, I'll do whatever you want. Who, how, who many people? How many people I gotta rob?
1: Have you you grew up around the same. I don't know what Florida's education was like, but the drug Ooh, education it's pretty
0: bad. <laughs> I had Dare.
1: So Dare, yeah, mm-hmm. and Dare had the lion with no pants but a shirt. Yeah. And uh, a lot of uh, interesting ideas, but I think ultimately flawed in. Uh, a lot of the anti-drug movements. And um, I've and I, and I never seen it illustrated in the perfectly wrong way as uh, there's a, a, a white ventriloquist with a black dummy. Is that uh, an opinion that you should have? Uh, wow. Who should be what? Uh, <laughs> I never thought I would, but of course. Uh, it's on the website everythingisterrible.com. Uh, and it's uh, Team Danny. Danny, And yes, the white guy's rapping with the black dummy. So It's really, really bad and awful uh, just because of how corny and cheesy and stupid it is, but it's all about being drug-free. And one line in the song is like, uh, if you want to be with Danny, uh, you be drug-free and you can do anything. And it doesn't even rhyme, Mm -hmm. but uh, they're trying to oversell you on this idea Mm -hmm. that no drugs means your all of your dreams can come true right. which is not mm-hmm. the case drugs are a part of life just and i don't mean just illegal or prescription, there's so many. (laughs) Caffeine.
0: Yeah,
1: People would be like, oh, I never Dude,
0: sugar, Mm -hmm. come on, dude.
1: I think Mr. Rogers is maybe the only person that wasn't on stimulants, and he had like warm, (laughs) warm pomegranate juice, and that was sugar. So we all have a drug, and we all have ways to cope. If you're doing it in an unhealthy way, uh, then you have a problem. But there are definitely... Uh, things in life that can help make like easier they don't necessarily lead to success or, or failure even,
0: even necessarily just coping in, in a time like yeah. I know a lot of people who whenever somebody dies like they want to have a couple cocktails they want to mm-hmm. d- do more drugs than they would have normally done just to, to deal with the fact that they're grieving yeah and uh, as long as it doesn't make you spiral out of fucking control and make you into a blobbering mess forever from that point on and or or get you to the point where you don't deal with it at all uh, uh, yeah, it's a problem. But also, sometimes you just it just needs to help it get a little better. Like I'm certain there's like a the the amount of weed that people are smoking in California has increased since the pandemic to deal with the fact that their flight fight or flight is, yeah. uh, is st- like I get all of that shit.
1: Yeah, um, I, I take edibles to sleep. I've always been unable to sleep. As a child, I I used to uh, fly and flam out of bed. Mm -hmm. I would flail, and uh, the therapy, which has come a long way, (laughs) uh, they've switched to weighted blankets, but they used to just put metal bars on the side of a bed so you didn't fall out of bed. Mm -hmm. But that would just mean that I would Smash into a metal bar with my yeah. legs and then get tangled in it. Yeah. <laughs> so it was. Just, I'd wake up going ah. <laughs> so so for years I wasn't able to sleep. Uh, plus I, I lived in sort of an abusive, alcoholic, violent home because of my mother. So it was not an easy way to sleep at night, where I would be facing towards the door just in case I I would be waking up in in a violent uh, mm-hmm. nightmare. Yeah. Um. So
0: that was real. <laughs> yeah.
1: So and then. I I started in the last year or so looking into, uh, um, because California has legalized uh, recreational as well as medical marijuana, I looked into um, edibles to help with anxiety and sleeping. And I'm like, oh, fuck, I can go to bed at a normal time. I can turn my mind off. I can get eight hours of sleep. And it has helped me. Yeah. But my whole life before that was like, well, if you do pot, you're going to do crystal meth. And then you're going to kill your father. (laughs) And after that, you're in a gang. Do you want that? Do you really, do you want to, do you want to (laughs) die? It's almost like the abstinence thing for like, if
0: you have sex, you're going to fucking be riddled with sores ever. Unless, unless unless you're married. Mm
1: -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Unless Jesus said it was okay. Um,
0: (laughs) You got to get a signed, notarized, a letter from Jesus before you can, you
1: know. It's just, we're lied to so much. (laughs) And I'm I'm now like trying to peel back all the things that I because that that's going back to the anxiety. Mm -hmm. It's because you're rooted in something that's like fear, fear fear-based. Like if I do this, this is bad. But when you shut that off, you're like, well, what what is the worst that could happen? What what's the best that could happen? What will probably happen? And then then I'm like, oh, I'm fine.
0: Probably be all right. Yeah. Probably be all right. Um, All right, right now.
1: (laughs) Everything's not great, but. I'm trying to make the best.
0: Yeah, that's all, and I think that's all anybody can do. I think that's why, especially now, I've been trying to give everybody like a the benefit of the doubt, just because you know, because of that, because knowing that, it's just mm-hmm. it's easier to be like, oh, they're probably uh, scared, they're probably riddled with fear and acting strangely because
1: of that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. people, the way people are driving right now is insane. It's
0: so crazy. And
1: I I purposely. I'm
0: so glad that that it eased up a little bit on the traffic because Mm -hmm. to allow these, they're driving like, they're driving like Florida. Like that's how crazy people in Los Angeles are driving right now as they're driving. Like I'm starting to feel at home.
1: Gators behind the wheel. (laughs)
0: Because they can't see, they're looking up, they can't see nothing.
1: It's. It's because we're all so in our own head, Mm -hmm. and I imagine in our cars listening to like, you know, sometimes fear based media, even the podcasts that I would listen to for enjoyment are all kind of going into this stuff that's like paralyzing. It's about our life right now, which is, you know, how they they talk about the election, the the civil rights movement that's coming, uh, uh, you know, to a a head, and what's going to happen next? Will accountability be? And you're like, I just want to drive yeah and, and sometimes if you turn off, just get all that noise gone, and you're just able to just go just move and and like kind of just be. I think that's like uh I've been trying to do that more
0: well, I always try to get to everybody uh to try to remember joy, remember it <laughs> like and that's why for the beginning of this i was uh I was only consuming something that I knew would make me feel good. Only, I was only watching comedies from like 1984 to like 1999. I was like at the end of big, I'm going to feel good at the end of fucking batteries, not included. I'm going to feel good at the beginning of fucking forgetting Sarah Marshall. I'm going to feel good. Like I'm only watching stuff that I know just because the rest of the day, I am going to be, uh, uncomfortable. Yeah. And, um, mean to say the least. And then fearful, um, uh, in any way shape or form and the and the level of that will vary based on. And that's why anytime anything happens, and it goes back to what we were talking about at the, be- the beginning of this episode. Anything that happens um because we're already heightened seems way more severe mm-hmm. than it is. Like any I think anybody that's lo- like loses a friend or that uh somebody dies or you know there was like an, an a six point earthquake here. I was just like, and now the earth too. Like, just anything that happened, you know, you just stub your I toe see. and you're like, and now my toe's broken. You just te- everything you, you that happened. texted
1: happens. me and I was like, I think I was asleep. <laughs> <laughs>
0: well, that's what was like anybody who has been through an uh, an earthquake was like, yeah, it, was, it wasn't was a big one. And I was like, but still, and the fires and yeah. that, everything. It's all, Do we're, you, <laughs> you
1: know, your tank can get filled up. Mm. Where it's like where you're not you're not even like worried. It's just like you're just like, oh. Yeah, this too. There's mm-hmm. there's numerous examples where <laughs> you see like uh, like a guy loses it, uh, that's about to like kill everybody in a store. Mm-hmm. And there's no heroes jumping in the way. It's just people like, the bullets oh. are coming. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had that moment. It was it was literally I think like another day that was an earthquake. Uh, it was a crazy day of news. Mm-hmm. Uh, the The fires had started. It was 100. Um, and just outside uh, in my neighborhood in Culver City, uh, there was a huge flash of light, and it was blue. Right,
0: now the aliens! Yeah. Oh, really? <laughs> exactly. That's
1: immediately, it was like me, my sister, Dante, our friend Jenny Zagrino, very funny. Uh, we all sat there. We looked up. We all had like the same feeling. It was like, Oh, aliens are here. Yeah. Like, of course there is. And mm. it was, it was like not a that time. It was, it was like, well, you know, they've, they've come for a reason. And, you know, that's just the, this is the way life goes now <laughs> is that the aliens will come and then, um, then, you know, time travelers and, uh, lizard people. And y- you just, you're, you're kind of like, you're not even surprised. And it was a transformer, <laughs> allegedly, that blew up, but it's still at the moment, it was like, this is just a like. I don't even care.
0: Well, that's what that's what's so great is like is you've you're overwhelmed with so much uh, potential devastating things that you're like aliens meh mm-hmm. like <laughs> mm-hmm. meh all right
1: <laughs> it's it's kind of trying to become one with chaos yeah which is what the job of a comedian is
0: for sure and but that and I think that's part of the reason why I feel uh. Maybe not as insane as a lot of people are in this is because I was raised in an argument like that was how I found like I was always the one that could keep it anytime anything would get chaotic. I was always the one like, all right, well, what do we got to do? What can we do? like that was like all that all that stuff made me cal- would make me calmer as opposed to um getting like try- like getting a uh, feeling chaotic as well. Um so it would be like oh all right well then I'll just start working, you know. It was like if my parents were fighting they're like all right well I better get my homework done. You know, it was mm-hmm. always just like um work oriented being able to focus um, amidst uh all of this shit. And yeah. I think that's that explains what I've been doing for this entire thing, which is I've just my whole thing is I'm just trying to help, help anyone, help yeah. anyone that seems like they need it in any way, shape or form, yeah. which also goes back to the being, being of service.
1: That's all you can do mm-hmm. is, is that old, uh, is World War Two. is it keep calm, carry on when the mm-hmm. city's literally being bombed by Hitler and the U S is like, I don't know if this is a good war to get involved. And, yeah. uh. You know, people are very anti-Semitic here, uh, namely Joseph P. Kennedy Jr., uh, Sr., uh, <laughs> both of them probably, uh, but it, it was just like, their city is literally, death falls from above, and they're hiding in a subway, mm-hmm. and out of that, out of those tunnels of tragedy and horrific life, came... The Beatles that were like Paul, I think Paul was born underground during the bombing mm-hmm. and like things like that. I, I don't quote me on it, but I, there's, there's a lot
0: of pandemic babies happening too. Yes, mm-hmm.
1: Good art can be a response to severe nightmarish stuff. Like John Lennon's first album, the Plastic Ono Band mm-hmm. after the Beatles is fantastic. And there's a song called God. that's uh, a Uh It's a great song and there's a line in it. It starts off and he says, God is a concept by which we measure our pain. And then he goes, I'll say it again.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: God is a concept by which we measure our pain. And then he just starts saying what he, he goes, I don't believe in Beatles. I don't believe in Hitler. I don't believe in Zimmerman, which is Bob Dylan's real name. Mm-hmm. I don't believe in Buddha. I don't believe in uh, Geet. He just goes down the list. He's like, I just believe in me. And I was like, oh, that's such a simplistic Thing that you can go back to no matter what mm-hmm. you don't need to believe in any of this shit that's around to fit in you just have to find like your own you belief right. self-confidence type thing i'm working on it <laughs>
0: was that was that cool? <laughs> i mean it's also narcissistic too uh to think that you like you are but i think as, yeah. as long as you're able to check yourself and not think that you are god uh you y- know yeah. but be, being it's It's self-peace.
1: All you can believe in is what you know. Mm -hmm. And if you know you, then you believe in
0: it. By the way, I want everybody listening, uh, I want you to know that I know that there is a fucking jackhammer happening uh, right now. And uh, I had the great idea of, let's record outside. There's there's tweets and stuff. Little (laughs) tweety birds. It'll be uh, great for ambiance. And then um, I guess I set up out here when when they were at lunch because it was dead quiet and now all of a sudden uh, we're in the middle of a construction zone. I hope it doesn't uh, take you guys out of it uh, this wonderful uh, talk that I'm having. Mm -hmm. But You have an album.
1: Yes, uh, Yellow Belt Confidence, available on deadandmellow.com. It's on Spotify, it's on iTunes. Uh, check it out. It's 10 bucks. I am not doing shows at all for the foreseeable future, (laughs) uh, in person. So all my income uh, will be generated probably through, uh, album sales. So please buy it. Uh, don't steal it. And, uh,
0: can they get it on your website too? Comedygaryp.com?
1: I believe so. Uh, (laughs) go to deadandmellow.com because my, my own, uh, my own hand at technology is not very swift. Mm -hmm. Uh, deadandmellow.com. It's available there as well as some other great, uh, Albums. it's a diy label um uh, started by this uh these guys uh, alan and matt um and you know we're we're doing it it takes a village you know i'm sure i'm sure you know uh you know comedy's like very much your own journey of like putting your own shit out there and you know when someone tells you no it's like okay and then you can find a different way to do it so you know nobody wanted anything to do with me in terms of uh representation or bookings or clubs and i've auditioned and i've done well Mm -hmm. but you know for whatever reason they've said no thanks Mm -hmm. and uh that's their business and you can't take it personally so all i can do is find another way to go right and that's what this is it's like i would i've just been doing independent venues and bars and places with a corner with a microphone and you know do it yourself we self-recorded self-produced I don't have a lot of money to do this stuff, so it was like use the show money tickets to try to pay for the album. It took five years of mastering because <laughs> <laughs> I had so little money and stuff to to yeah. pay the engineers, and and then finally, like a time came where it made sense to put out. So, you know, I hope that the fun of the album will be there mm-hmm. for people, and they'll enjoy it. And uh, there's a lot of fun topics on it that I address, and. Uh, you know, I, I just remember thinking during the pandemic too, to, to whether or not to release this. Finally, was like, do do I want to go back to doing those same jokes when this all ends? No, of I'm course cha- not. Yeah, changed.
0: Yeah, everything's changed.
1: Um, there's a joke on the album about Jimmy's. Check it out. Uh, <laughs> the gist is, uh, in New England, uh, chocolate sprinkles are called Jimmy's. Uh, someone yelled at me in an ice cream shop uh, and called me a racist for s- using the term Jimmy's, and uh, and, and I, I felt bad. And I went home and researched, and turns out the thing that they thought was racist was an internet rumor that somebody else made up, which then created a real racist thing <laughs> that I got yelled at over. Kind of
0: like the AOK thing. <laughs> yeah. So,
1: I, what I've you know, it's crazy to have like add on to this this repertoire of racism in America. Mm-hmm. You know, it's we've got enough.
0: Yeah, do We don't need chocolate sprinkles to be a thing. Exactly. Yeah.
1: Don't take away ice cream from me. That's all <laughs> I have. Uh, but also, I don't say Jimmy's anymore when I order because I don't... I don't want to. Even the people that are misguided on the information, or maybe my information, misguided, this Who cares? I'm not. I don't want to upset anybody. Right. I just want to be like left alone. Yeah. <laughs> just. I'm just trying to live okay. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, I'll, I won't say that if that bothers you. Sure. Bother that one person who uh, was this real fucking asshole at JP Licks and uh, Davis Square. Burn that place if it's not done. <laughs> um, but i just uh you know i, I don't want to make people feel bad with what i say mm-hmm. is there any part
0: of the process of making the the album that you didn't like um is it just the promotion part is li- it
1: yeah uh, promotion's fine mm-hmm. um but listen having to listen to myself on mm-hmm. album you know Were you, yeah. do you listen to yourself that's, that's- i record I record so you got, much. You've got it all ar- archived. <laughs> For the one <laughs> For the day when I will tolerate my own voice. No, 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 no,
0: no, 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 no.
1: <laughs> yeah. You hear it and you're like, "What?
0: Why? Yeah, why, why? do I sound like that? What? What if I like done? the idea of what I think I sound like better than what I actually sound like?
1: What do you think you sound? like?
0: <laughs> Tolerable. <laughs> I'm just saying, anybody who's ever been with me or is a fucking saint, that's all I'm saying. (laughs) I I
1: think, I hear, like, if Kevin in the Wonder Years uh, inner monologue had no sense of life or purpose (laughs) when I listen to my voice. (laughs) Like, Daniel Stern narrated that as young Kevin Arnold, and he would just be like, oh, well, you know, and he always had, like, a rounded way that he got through it. Mm -hmm. Like, when I hear my voice, when I'm, like, listening back, I'm like... Hearing my voice in, in a way that's like, well, I'm not gonna get through this. <laughs> this is not gonna work out okay.
0: That's always been the part of the work quote unquote work that you have to. That's been just so brutal for yeah.
1: me. If if you looked at your tapes and listened to your tapes like the way Tom Brady looks at his football tapes, mm-hmm. uh, you know you you might be a little bit of a better comic because of it. So it's it's hard sometimes. Yeah. But who cares? Of course. Do your work do you work? That, oh, so Jesus, I'm like, scary. that's that what right, I'm saying to you're me.
0: fucking yelling me, right? Hey, fucking get I've it together. It podcast. fucking screaming. <laughs>
1: Don't
0: be jealous of my white vest. <laughs> you know you've always wanted a white denim white vest. <laughs>
1: I've wanted denim white pants for a long time and deadmellow.com album sales get to a certain point. I can make this dream reality. <laughs>
0: You have a podcast too, tell everybody about it
1: It's called Death by Comedy, you should do it uh, It's with Chris Walsh of uh, the Walsh Brothers Netflix, other things he's done Comedy Central, it's very funny um, We talk about the bad times of comedy uh, Ooh, especially. uh so many uh, Yes, we talk about <laughs> the, the nightmarish shows The crazy bookers The mm-hmm. awful details uh, We've had f- fantastic guests like Ron Lynch uh, 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 Joe List Jenny Zagrino Anna Valenzuela uh, Hopefully you'll do it uh, um it's just a uh a, it, it, when you're going through that shit mm-hmm. it, it can be a little like severe and upsetting because of the circumstances
0: it's always funny later later yeah. though
1: yeah but then when you're together bonding over it mm-hmm. like a trauma bond it's a trauma bond <laughs> podcast and uh and there's so many things with show business that are nightmares. So we we've we haven't run out of ideas on on guests. Oh, and you stuff. won't.
0: <laughs> <laughs> there, there's been so many people throughout everybody's career that's treated them like shit. You will never. It's almost like this podcast. You're never going to run out of, of comedians, and yeah. you're never going to run out of fucking horrific stories. just like I'll never run out of things that people don't like.
1: But you always you always have to get the thing for you mm-hmm. to be there I'll I, I think we're are we almost like this mm-hmm. is about to. I'll this is my I'll end with this uh fun thing that I did okay that once uh, it was in uh Warwick Rhode Island the mm-hmm. Comedy Zone in a movie theater
0: oh I've done that gig
1: it's awful mm-hmm. uh it was during a blizzard um I was hosting for a guy who hated uh hated everybody famous and he he'd like start off goes who do you like and he's like, yeah, I I was doing the clubs when he was sitting on the steps. Oh, I was like, no. oh, I'm sure Robin Williams was, sir. Uh, <laughs> he did a terrible Mitch Hedberg impression for an hour, and it killed. Right. And it was like stolen jokes. And it was just like, I, I like this guy, but you're just so hacky and boring. And uh, I went up to host, and I'm trying to do my own thing, trying to find my voice. It was like maybe five, six years in comedy. And- uh Soon as I got up there, this guy in the audience starts screaming, like, uh, Talk about Tiger Woods fucking. It was like when Tiger oh, Woods scandal mm-hmm. had been over by two years. Oh, wow. I was like, so What? It's not even topical. It's no. And I was like, What? And he's like, you, He bangs a lot of ladies. And I was like, I wasn't talking about golf. I didn't have a red shirt and black <laughs> pants on. There was no reason for this guy to bring this up, but that's what he wanted. And the rest of the crowd was like, Well, what do you got for it? And they were shitty. <laughs> So I was just on my back foot. It did not go well, and I watched the whole show, and I watched these people laugh at two comics who did just the opposite of the type of comedy that I like mm. or wanna do. Right. Which has, it has no value, no purpose, uh, it's not original, it's crappy, it's stereotypical, it's racist, it's shit. It's right, it's right. And, uh, you know, I just watched the crowd eat it up, and uh, it's a movie theater, And I decided, just on a whim, to do this. um, Mm. At the very very end, I was like, um, you guys were a really great crowd. You really were. And they're like,
0: yeah, we is. We
1: know. (laughs) We have a a special clip. Uh, There's a movie coming out later this year. If you're all okay with it, could we show you? They're actually testing it out on audiences. Uh, do you guys remember Avatar? They're like, <gasps> what? They're like, this is the sequel. Oh my God. <laughs> so would you like to see the first few minutes of Avatar 2? And they're like, oh, okay. I go, all right. Uh, let me just get the mic out of the way. I moved the mic and I went off stage. You left? And I drove away.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and
1: I laughed.
0: Vindicated! So hard. <laughs> As
1: i I remember wa- as I'm walking out, one of the servers who looked like uh, he was very like broy looking, mm-hmm. but he was fucking great guy. Yeah, he was some of these like he asked about you and your day and like meant it, and he was like, "That's great." That he you make ever- direct eye contact. He, with he, was it, a, yeah. he was a genuine person, but he mm-hmm. just looked like an Ed Hardy, mm-hmm. you know, type that you might hate on. So we we had formed like a little relationship over the week of being like buddies. As I'm leaving, he's like. <laughs> and we like high fived and like breakfast club I just threw a fist in the air as I drove into a blizzard that was like I hope I die on the way home because there's no no better feeling than 20 people being like play Avatar just play, play Avatar 2 black and blue I want to listen I want to give my opinion I think it should have more Tiger Woods in it <laughs>
0: Gary, thanks so much for coming on and bullshitting with me. Is there anything else you want to plug before we go? Uh,
1: uh, Be yourself. Have fun with it. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) No, uh, my death by uh, comedy podcast uh, on iTunes, that's free. uh, Deadmellow.com. My album is called yellow belt confidence. Uh, It is my first debut comedy album. Uh, check it out. It's 10 bucks, And uh, and thank you so much for having me. Yeah.
0: Uh, it's fucking hilarious. I strongly recommend you guys uh, watching it. Not only did I... Uh, I've seen him work out these jokes, but I also bought it myself and listened to it. You guys should too. Thank you guys so much for listening. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast, write a nice little review. You want to throw money at me, I would love that. Patreon.com slash nosirpod. You want to email me? I would absolutely adore that as well. Nosirpod at gmail.com. Make sure you're following on all the assorted social media. At comedy. Gary P at the Funny Carmen at No Sir Pod. I fucking love you guys, and I'll see you next week. Bye bye. Bing,
1: bing, 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 <laughs> No, sir, I don't like it. No, sir, I don't like it. No, sir, I don't like it.
0: No, sir, I don't like it. No, sir, I don't like it. What is the what is No, sir, I don't like it. I don't want your life. No, sir, I don't like it. I don't want your life. No, sir, I don't like it. I don't want your life. No, sir, I don't like it. I don't want your life. No, sir, I don't like it. I don't want
1: your life. No, sir, I don't like it. I don't want your life.
0: No,
1: sir, I don't like it. I don't want your life. No, sir, I don't like it. I don't want your life. What, what, what is the fuck the matter? What, what is, is that? The don't sh- like it. Or the one? No, sir, I don't like it. No, sir, I don't like it. No, I don't want to be No, sir, I don't like it. I don't want your life. No sir, I don't like it. I don't want your
0: life.
1: No, sir, I don't like it. I don't want
0: your life. No, sir, I don't like it. I don't want your life. No, sir, I don't like it. I don't want your life. No sir, I don't like it.